Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary, and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm producer Rihanna Cruz. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. So over the past few weeks, we've been covering a lot of Latin music. Mm, yeah. Bad Bunny, Caliuchis. Right. And what I hope we've shown is that the term is very expansive and includes so many different styles. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say this, Rihanna, because it's like we often toss around this term Latin American music. But what does that actually refer to? It's like a lot gets lumped in to that designation. Let's actually take the time to really pick apart some of these cultural geographic differences and how they shape the sound of this incredibly important genre. I mean, to me, I feel like Latin music is just that. It represents music from, you know, the Latin American region. But over the past few weeks, in the process of us analyzing these Latin pop artists, it got me thinking about music that is on the periphery of the genre. Things that are in conversation sonically, but of course are linguistically and culturally different. Thinking of like the music of Brazil, for example, where Portuguese is the main language, or Spain, where the history of colonization, of course, looms over the music's relationship with Latin America and has raised controversial questions about appropriation. Mm. Nonetheless, though, music from both countries has made big waves among U.S. listeners on Latin radio stations and at Latin award shows. Case in point, the music of Anita, who's from Brazil, and Rosalia, who's from Spain. And music from these countries are in conversation with Latin music as we know it. You might have heard on the radio Anita's take on the Brazilian classic Girl from Ipanema, Girl from Rio. Hot girls where I'm from, we don't look like models. Ten lines, big curves, and the energy glows. You'll be falling in love with the girl from Rio. Wow, that's like a reclamation of the male gaze of the original version <laughs> of that song. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And you might have also heard Rosalia's Despecha, which hit the top 10 in several Latin and South American countries. So, Nate, what I want to do is listen to the albums that Anita and Rosalia have put out this year and ask what can we learn about Latin pop from these artists and these records that may not be at the center geographically, but are sonically. Awesome. I'm really excited to dig into these artists and their sounds. Let's look at Anita first. Hot girls, where I'm from, we don't look like models. Ten lines, big curves in the 
So Anita is a pop singer from Rio de Janeiro, the titular mm. girl in Rio in question, <laughs> who over the past few years has become one of the biggest Brazilian artists to cross over to international audiences. Her fifth album, Versions of Me, came out earlier this year and was the first Brazilian pop album to hit one million streams on Spotify. Hmm. It is her second multilingual album, covers English, Spanish, and Portuguese. It touches on traditional pop. There's a song with Ty Dolla Sign on it that has a wild sample of La Bamba. That's an unexpected but effective vibe snatch right there. Exactly. Anita's record is like full of vibe snatches, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Every song seems to have a different one, which is really interesting. But other tracks on the album include a native Brazilian genre known as funk carioca or baile funk. It's party music, hip hop influenced, everything Mm. from Miami bass to samba is in there. We can learn the sound from the track Glamorosa by two pioneers of the genre, MC Marlboro and MC Marcino. That is a powerful sound. I mean, the vocals themselves are really smooth. But the bass and the percussion is like so intense and syncopated. It really makes you want to dance. But then the lyrics are something you can sort of vibe to and chill out to. I, I, I can't wait to hear more of this. Yeah. And, and when I was researching, I learned that I've heard this genre before, baile funk before. And I had no idea because MIA has done it several times. Interesting. She worked with Diplo on three songs called Baile Funk 1, Baile Funk 2, and Baile Funk 3. Oh, well, there you go. But the most well-known example is Bucky Dungun off of Arular. Wow. Sri Lankan, Brazilian mashup. I'm into it. It's very cross-cultural, which reflects the genre at large. Funk karaoke is characterized by a few key elements. There's pulsating syncopated drums, also known as a tamborzal beat. Deep grooving bass lines. And vibrant synth melodies. The result is explosive, danceable, and, and funky, and sort of melds together... Everything from Miami bass to samba to gangster rap to Afrobeats, bringing it all together for Brazilian party music. Funk karaoke, baila funk. Anita does this on her track, Carabao. The song even plays into that sort of cross-cultural connection by being bilingual, where you have Brazilian artists featured as well as YG, who's from L.A. Yeah. And it works. And it works. And it checks off all the boxes of what Baila Funk is. There's explicit lyrics. Yeah. There's a cool sample chop as the backing. <laughs> has similarities with Miami bass. 
And it's also founded on the Tamburzal beat, which is usually the beat that founds this sort of genre. So this isn't the first time that Baila Funk has been brought to the shores of the U.S., but Anita is like really giving us an authentic dose of it and doing it in this way that's embracing all the diverse influences of the sound itself. Yes, and while the record is authentically Brazilian, it's also been getting a lot of play on Latin radio. Let's listen to her track, Envolver. So this is fascinating because it's like now we're hearing Anita doing a track that's using that characteristic reggaeton beat. Boom, chip, boom, chip, boom, chip, boom, chip. The lyrics, I think, are in Spanish, right? So yeah. is this her like kind of making a play for Latin radio? I think so. It's been really successful. I, I haven't been able to escape this song. I've been hearing <laughs> it on Latin radio in LA, you know, for for months and months now, it's become something that I learned it was Anita after I had heard it five, ten times because it fits in so seamlessly in the canon of of Latin yeah. pop. It reminds me a lot of the music of someone like Carol G, for example. Mm, okay. That was Provenza by Carol G. And I could see why a song like En Bolver will have wide success in Latin America. Because it sounds very similar to other Latin pop acts of the time. The song was also produced by Puerto Rican duo Sbleoneo, who produced majority of Bad Bunny's Yo Hago Lo Que Me Da La Gana, which we talked about last week. Interesting. Yeah, so the tethers to Latin America make a lot of sense. Right. And it's really a testament how, like, sometimes when we're talking about, quote unquote, Latin American music, really, we're just talking about popular music, period. Right. And over the last three weeks, I like one of the takeaways I, I seem to have, and I really hear that listening to this Anita track, is like, why do we always need to define Latin American music as this other sound? But in fact, it is like, at this point, one of the primary backbones of the sound of popular music writ large. Yeah, and to complicate things further, the song won the MTV VMA for Best Latin, making her the first Brazilian to win a category in the awards history, you know, the, the huh. history of the MTV VMAs, but specifically Best Latin. <laughs> Best Latin, this is odd construction, but wow, so fascinating. Okay, lot to unpack there, but good for Anita. Good for Anita. And if you thought there was a lot to unpack in Versions of Me, uh-huh. there's a wealth more connection to be found in Rosalia's Motomami, which we'll get to right after the break. Calling all female runners. It's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why milk? Dairy milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high-quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. 
Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. So it's been over three years since we last talked about Rosalia on Switched on Pop. Mm, yeah. And she's been up to a lot since then. She's a Spanish artist who has put out acclaimed records over the years. Mm-hmm. Her record, Moto Mami, came out this year, won the album of the year at the Latin Grammys, and at the end of 2022 has become one of the most acclaimed albums of the year. Yeah, Rihanna, we are getting our... Rosalia coverage in right under the wire of 2022. Yeah. And being able to end the year with our heads, you know, at least held a little bit high that we did manage to say something about one of the most discussed albums <laughs> of, of the year uh, yeah. before, you know, we go into hibernation. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited to break down some of the sounds on Motomami. Yeah. She's previously worked in Spanish and Roma genres like flamenco most famously on El Mal Querer, her second record. Right. Malamente is a track that's deeply inspired by flamenco. Okay, so this is something I'm curious about, because that was like one of the defining features of Rosalia was her reworking of this traditional flamenco genre. Do we hear any of that? on Motomami or, or like has she kind of moved on from that sound? No, the beauty of Motomami is that she takes these flamenco genres and influences and works them in tandem with her influences from Latin America. You could hear it on a track like Bulerias, which is a reference to the Buleria, which is a characteristic style of flamenco. Wow. I mean, shades of Malamente with those hand claps and those characteristic flamenco rhythms. Mm -hmm. But there's also something new here, especially when her vocals get kind of auto-tuned in this wild kind of SoundCloud rapper way. I was like, yeah. whoa, this is this is the next step in the Rosalia sound. Yeah, and it reflects the Buleria at large. The Buleria is a 12-beat cycle played at, you know, 195 to 240 BPM. And the Buleria specifically, when it comes to flamenco, is complex and it's constantly shifting and it's spontaneous. That's sort of like the beauty of it. And I think Rosalia harnesses that energy in the track because you can never predict where she's going or where the song is going to go. And when you dance flamenco or specifically when you dance the Buleria, there's an element of surprise there and it makes it really, really hard to dance or keep up with because it's sort of shifting all over the place. Well, that's cool. It's really dope. Okay, so that's a track off the album with a very pronounced kind of flamenco influence. Do we also hear Rosalia engaging with like this kind of mainstream Latin music sound as well? 
Of course. I mean, in the track, she mentions some of her inspirations in a lyric that says Lil' Kim, Tego, and M.I.A. It's also so cool to hear Rosalia shout out M.I.A. here because we were just listening to her in the context of Anita bringing Byla Funk to the mainstream. So it's like, there's that connective tissue from Anita to <laughs> Rosalia. Absolutely. MIA's cross-cultural connections. But she mentioned specifically Tego Calderon, yeah. who is sort of one of the kings of, of Puerto Rican reggaeton. So there's a lot of references, even within the Spanish songs, to Latin culture. And Motomami at large is essentially a sum of Rosalia's influences. She grew up listening to Latin music, yeah. loves Daddy Yankee, loves Hector Lavo, who we talked about also on the Bad Bunny episode. And mm. one of the songs on the record is even a cover of Justo Betancourt's Delirio de Grandeza. I mean, this is wild, Rihanna. It's like she's taking this ballad, which maybe sounds to me like a bolero or something from the 1960s, and she's covering it, recreating the melody, but this time it's not like on top of a legato brass section. It's on top of... I think a Soldier Boy sample just yeah. repeated. I don't know. That's a fascinating kind of historical mashup to hear. Yeah, and it's clear and obvious she grew up on this music and wants to pay tribute to it while right. also sort of modernizing it, right? The record is an alternative reggaeton record. And she mentioned previously Tego Calderon on Bulerias. Right. And his album El Abayarte kind of led the charge for alternative reggaeton. I can totally see why a track like that would appeal to Rosalia. It's got that beat, it's got that flow, but it's also got like this level of weirdness with like these sound yeah. effects and these kind of glitchy things happening in and around the vocal that make you, that kind of like keep your attention and make you go, oh, this is a little different. Yeah. But still at the core, it's like, oh, this is, this is groovy and I want to dance to this, which is, which I don't know, to me is like captures a lot of what Rosalie is trying to do. Absolutely. And it kind of sets a precedent for the record. The first song we hear on Motomami is Saoko. That is so propulsive to listen to. That track gets going and it is just like, just like worms its way into your brain and body. What is she singing about here, Rihanna? Can you give me a little insight into the lyrical content? She says in the chorus in English, I'm very much me. I transform a butterfly. I transform drag queen makeup. I transform <laughs> Luvia de Estrellas. I transform. She's basically saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm a shapeshifter. I'm all over the yeah. place. You know, I'm constantly changing the way that you perceive me, which I, I think speaks to Motomami at large. 
totally. It's like the musical theme that we've been identifying is this like it's not going to be just one thing. What a powerful comment on identity itself. Totally. You know, it's like I am me, an almost Cartesian statement of being, and then immediately it subverts that. I transform. Who are you? Who am I? We are constantly shifting. Like I I love that idea. It's like, yes, I am me, and I am me because I am not one thing. Rosalia gets existential. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's been reading philosophy. Rosalia on the Cartesian duality. (laughs) Going back to reggaeton, though, the intro interpolates a a classic reggaeton song by Wysine and Daddy Yankee called Saoko. So right off the bat, she is signaling reggaeton fans and and saying, I understand I'm appealing to you through this interpolation. Hmm. It's like every time she does something experimental and innovative on this album, she also pays fealty to artists of the past. So it's always like looking forward and back. Right, right. And she explores reggaeton on several other songs on the record, like Chicken Teriyaki. Diablo? Si. (laughs) And La Combi Versace, featuring Dominican rapper Tokisha. original featured artist was going to be Tego Calderon before she changed it to Tokisha. So there's lots of connections there, even, you know, that's the second to last track of the album. Even as we get to the end of the album, there's still a wealth of connections. We can even call the genre of the track something like Neopereo, which is an emerging genre mixing reggaeton with electronic club elements. She's very clearly like tapped in. You know, Rihanna, at this point, I feel like we could talk a little bit about some of the criticism that Rosalia received when she first came onto the scene. You know, I think she was someone who was perceived as appropriating some of these sounds that we've been listening to. Right. As as a Spanish artist, you know, she's not nece- she's not necessarily part of these traditions of 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 reggaeton, part of that culture. Right. And Roma flamenco. But she's kind of using it to propel her success. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if this album, Motomami, and like kind of the the fealty she's paying to some of the progenitors of this style, while also like collaborating with with a lot of current artists in these genres, is maybe giving her uh, some more credence, some more legitimacy as an artist, someone who's not just here to sort of like pirate this sound, but but really add to it and like really sustain it. You know, I'm curious if there's been any response around this album in terms of her sort of authenticity as an artist. 
Right. I, I think a lot of people perceive this album to be quite authentic. I mean, the elephant in the room is that it won album of the year uh, at the Latin Grammys this year, you know? Yeah. So obviously there is credence to her, you know, paying homage to Latin culture rather than appropriating. However, there's people on the other side that say, you know, like, for example, with a song like La Fama, right? This bachata song. Why did she get The weekend on it to sing like Romeo Santos instead of getting mm. Romeo Santos on, on the record? You know, it's sort of like... Uh, one foot in, one foot out type deal to some when it when it comes to the genre. You know, I, I personally really like the track, but I, I could see where people are coming from. And it will always sort of be, I think, this never ending swirling discourse around, you know, Rosalia as an artist, if she keeps doing sort of reggaeton, bachata, you know, these traditionally Latin genres in her work. Hmm. I think of this quote from Tom Jurek at All Music that sums up the record to me pretty well, where he said that Motomami is twisting together the contradictory strands of Latin and Anglo pop with traditional and vanguard forms. And I, I think that's pretty accurate, where like Rosalia as a person is not reflective of Latinidad, same with Anita, but all of the sounds within their records indicate a connection with such. You know, Rosalia is clearly paying homage to, you know, Latin artists of her youth, the people that she listened to. And going back to Anita, she is fitting in with artists on Latin radio today. It's a conversation about accessibility and fan base. And I think, like you said before, Nate, Latin music is pop music. Switched on Pop is produced by Rihanna Cruz. It's edited by Art Chung. Our engineer is Brandon McFarland. Illustrations are by Iris Gottlieb. Beauty manager is Abby Barr. Our executive producers are Nishat Kurwa and Hannah Rosen and were produced by Vulture and the Vox Media Podcast Network. You can find us anywhere you get podcasts or at switchedonpop.com and tell us on Twitter and Instagram at switchedonpop what Brazilian or Spanish artists you're checking out right now you really like or anything else you think fits into the conversation. We're open ears. We want to know. We are taking a little break for the holidays. So we're going to rerun some of our favorite episodes over the next couple weeks. And we'll see you in 2023 with a brand new episode. Until then, uh, you know, get some rest, get some relaxation dance listen to some music whatever you need to do and Eat some uh, holiday cookies now, now we're talking yeah. and uh rihanna uh we'll see you in 2023 i think it's gonna be a good one absolutely and until, until then, then thanks, thanks for, for listening, listening. why do you run why does anyone I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, <laughs> but they choose to do it. In the new docu-series Running Socks brought to you by Team Milk, 
Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon taking place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.